and welcome once again to a novel evening and a happy new year as when I'm recording this <laughs> I'm aware you've already had a couple of episodes come out but for me this is my first recording of 2024 which is very exciting and this is one for all you love birds out there those of you who love a good complicated messy romance with some unexpected twists and turns this is a book for you The Memory of Us by Danny Atkins uh, this is, it says in itself, a twist of fate, an unexpected love story filled with breathtaking romance, heart-wrenching emotion, the magic of destiny and the power of sisterhood. I mean, that's everything you want in a romance, right? And I've got so many questions for Danny Atkins. I cannot wait to speak to her because I know she's drawn on quite a few personal experiences, experiences through people in her lives for this story. So I have a lot of questions about the writing process of this book. And I cannot wait to dive in, find out her inspirations and see what she's going to bring to her novel evening. So a huge hello to Danny. Hello. Hello. How are nice you? Nice to meet you. I'm very well, thank you. It's really great to speak to you. We were just saying, you're the first Danny I've welcomed on the podcast, so we're part of an exclusive club. <laughs> I know, there's not many of us around, so it's... There's um... not. And do you know what? I always thought, because I'm a Danielle, and I was like, oh, can I pull off Danny forever? And I feel like you're, you're telling me I can. You're, you've come on looking super glamorous as well. <laughs> you've come on <laughs> like sequins. I'm yeah, wearing like a dirty hoodie. You're pulling off the Danny much better than me. Se sequins are my go-to. Oh. If I could have sequin dressing gown, I'd have one. So, oh, yeah. I love that. So you must yeah. be all about, you know, we've just come out of Christmas. You must love a bit of that and the New Year. I do. And I've hated it now. The house has got no glitter, no sparkle, no tinsel. It's horrible. I mean, I'd, I'd keep fairy lights up all year round if I was allowed to get away with it. But you're you're bringing it in your clothes. You're bringing that out in what I, you're wearing. Which... And it's funny because my daughter does exactly the same. No. And then everybody knows her for sequins and then they meet me and then oh right now I see okay. the apple has not fallen far yeah, it, that it did not fall <laughs> it didn't fall very far I'm a big all. leopard print fan that's kind of my thing and I oh, did get right. away I painted my walls leopard print now that's bold the trick is just to do it when the other half is not here yeah and, and then say in five years time you can decorate exactly exactly and I think you know it's it's fun and I'm gonna neatly segue because you are you have written a book that is going to come out just after valentine's day the how day did after. that pan out did you know that was going to happen no i didn't i wasn't sure when it was going I mean, publishing schedules and that kind of thing never down to the author and you you really don't know until the last minute when they're going to come out and then sometimes they'll pull the plug and tell you there there's too much coming out that particular oh. week and they'll they'll move you along so, but I think February is a, a nice time to come out. I mean, you February don't really want to clash with... Yeah, yeah, you don't want to be on Valentine's. That feels no. like a big hype. <laughs> no, and that, that's an awful lot of pressure, isn't it? Because everyone's going to be looking for the ultimate love story then. Not that I'm saying this isn't a good love story, but it's... Um, it, yes, everybody's too busy opening their cards and flowers. I think if I say that loudly, my husband might hear because he's in another <laughs> room. Or jewellery, diamonds. That's why you... Di diamonds are good. You you can't go wrong you with the sparkle. You can't go wrong with diamonds, I think. no. So firstly, for listeners, let's dive straight into the memory of us. Tell us what this story is about. Okay, I have to be very careful. I don't give too much away here. It's one of those stories which um, has a few turns along the way. You don't want to give spoilers. But no, no spoilers. Um, basically, it's the story of two sisters um, who are exceptionally close. 
Um, and the book will open with something rather tragic happening to one of the sisters and the second sister dropping everything to fly back home from New York to be with her elder, her older sister, who is in hospital. Um, and yes, can I say this? I think I will, because I think it's on the this blurb anyway. Um, the sister wakes up with a whole set of memories that aren't hers, which she's convinced um, are the truth. Um, and the biggest stumbling block in all of this is that the, the memory she holds most close to heart is that she's married and that she has a husband, Sam, and a, a whole life with him. Um, and this presents a big problem for our character who's flown all the way home from New York, Lexi, um, because she's trying to support her sister in the best way that she can. Um, and along the way, um, there are various twists and turns and a romance and um, there's health issues and all sorts of other things that have um, transpired from the fact that the older sister, Amelia, was um, unconscious and her heart had actually stopped um, while she was um, on the beach that, that night that she was rescued. And I think anything more than that, I'm going to paint myself into a corner. So I bet yes, not, yeah, we don't want to give more. things away. And I know this is a tricky book to kind of delve into because we don't want to give spoilers. Readers need to find out what's going to happen. But Absolutely. I'm aware that you drew on some personal experiences for this story and experiences of people you knew as well. And firstly, I, I'm quite interested, you know, you've written books in the past. How did this differ? Did you use personal experiences previously for your writing or was this a new thing? Um. It wasn't a conscious effort either before or with this book. Um, a lot of my books have scenes in, in hospital. There's scenes of um, people with transplants, um, mm. organ transplant, uh, not anything I've ever had any personal uh, experience of or anyone in my family, I'm happy to say. Um, also heart issues, that has touched our family to a degree, um, including myself. Um, so there have been um, storylines where that has been involved, and sometimes it, it's the, the you know the cart before the horse. We've actually I've actually written about it, and then oh. in real life things have um, then you know happened, and and I'm sort of able to think, oh, this is just how it was in my book, or oh my, well, god. <laughs> oh my god, this isn't how it was in my book. I've yeah. written it wrong. Um, so this is you know it's kind of interesting. I've I've never tried to emulate life completely or or make it autobiographical because that's not what I'm about um but you know life creeps in you you can't keep it out yeah uh, and and even if you're consciously trying it you know things that people have said to you and emotions and certainly probably the the fear of losing a loved one yeah. is something that probably is in the it's it's universal mm. and that creeps in um pretty much to every book you know and, and I'm not giving away any spoilers when I say that most of my books have kind of some tragedy or a grief or life or death illness kind of thing going on which makes them sound really gloomy and horrible but they um and I'm not quite sure how I ended up sort of mm. along this road but it's um it, it it's one I'm happy to travel on at the moment yeah. And this particular story. So it's quite a complex tale that you've weaved here with these kind of false memories. Are they false memories? Is it a real life she's experienced? Where did that inspiration come from? Where did this story appear for you? Um, I think 
more than anything, the story began with the idea that I wanted to write about two sisters who right. are incredibly close. I mean, what I didn't mention before was that although there um, an eight year difference between the two sisters, they look almost identical. And there's yes. that weird kind of, although they're not twins in the truest sense of the world, they have that sort of mysterious telepathy thing going on. So mm. I didn't, the book too woo woo, go down that route. Um, but I, I do find that kind of thing fascinating. So I think mm. that an interest in that was certainly something that was at the back of my mind. And the connection and the the bond with sisters that goes deeper than friendship um, and sometimes a love-hate relationship. Um, but And I haven't got a sister of my I own. I was going to ask you, do you have a sister? No, I, no. I don't either. I have a younger brother. So th- yeah, it's, it's a very alien relationship to me. It is. And I think when I was growing up, and I hope my brother doesn't listen to this, um, I really wanted a sister rather than a brother. Um, so have you got a younger or older brother? Younger, he's five uh, years. Yeah, younger, yeah. Really. When you're the older sister, it's, I think, unless you are an older sister, it's a, to a younger brother, it's a very interesting thing to be a part of. Especially, yes. I have five years between me and my brother. Oh, and when right, you're 10, exactly. This- you don't want a five year old with you. When you're 15, you don't want a 10 year old with you. And I always used to see, I had friends who were twins and they were obviously, you know, twin girls, twin sisters. I said, oh, how wonderful. You know, you've got your best friend, but also their fights were so explosive. Oh God, yes. I mean, they they seem to fight, you know, like, like wildcats. Yeah. Oh my um, goodness. About the smallest thing, about someone wearing a perfume that they thought might smell like that, you know, madness. Yeah. And like you say, that sister relationship, I think is is so intriguing. Yeah, I was I was intrigued by that. And then how powerful the love would be and how far you would go to do something for someone you love if you felt that it was going to help them, you know, either mentally or you know physically. Um, and that's what I'm pushing the boundaries of in this story. It's how right. far Lexi will go to make things right for Amelia um, and and even maybe at the um, at the price of her own happiness. And, mm. and that's um, something that was quite interesting. I did end up with at the end of the book thinking, God, I wish I had a sister. So it was um, it was an interesting experience. And and I'd never in all the books that I've written, I had written, you know, about all sorts of family dynamics and lots of friendships. Um, but I yeah, hadn't written yeah. about sisters. So it felt that this was um, a timely right. It was time to do this one. Oh, I like that. And when you're writing about kind of the medical field as well, how much research goes into that? would you say I think it's much easier these days you can research an, an awful lot online yeah. so I I do that probably more than actually speaking to people um mm. although having said that you know when I've done books about organ donation then I have spoken to you know the the NHS blood and transplant and, and things to, to get things right to actually right. make sure that I'm you know because there are a lot of people that this affects in real life and you don't want to be guilty of getting something like that wrong um and I've written about um MND as well in the past and and did speak to someone who who sadly lost his wife to MND so right. that I have done you know that up close and personal work, you know research I find the um, the websites online, um, you know, many of the illnesses have their own website and you're reading their experiences and you pick up tiny little influences that you, you're not sure that you're going to lift, but that, that creep into the writing when you're actually doing it. Yeah. So, 
So it, I was gonna say it's quite a responsibility. I know you touch on things like IVF and themes like that in this book. It's quite a responsibility when you're kind of representing that in fiction. And I know you can't, you know, it's a fictional experience that you're displaying, but also you want to get things right, don't you? Yeah. You I mean, there's there's enough people out there that will have experienced something yeah. along this ill you, that you don't want to actually, you know, have red flags flying all over yeah. the place and think, well, this woman doesn't know what she's talking about. Yeah. So, I mean, but nobody ever gets it right all the time. And No, um, that's very true. And, you know, you take it, it on the chin. Yeah, exactly. You're going to make mistakes. And how does it feel now, you know, your book is on the horizon. Does it ever get old when you've got a book on its way into the world? Never. No. <laughs> I mean, I think that's the time to stop doing it when you when you stop yeah. feeling excited about it. It it's the best bit, I think. I mean, I the, the writing's great, and, and you know, then there's that that bit about editing, and nobody likes to talk about that. Nobody. <laughs> but the bit when you're almost at the point of getting it to the readers and they're the people that you wrote it for in the first place um yeah. you know it, it's not all the hands and the eyes that have been on it up until this point yeah. it's the time that you know the readers are going to get it which is kind of exciting when bloggers get it first um and people like yourself because you know they yeah I've got my my beautiful proof ah uh, thank you <laughs> <laughs> so it, it is lovely that you know it's in those hands but it, it's the people that have you know gone out parted with their money um to buy your book or you know told you how much they're excited about it and pre-ordered it those are the people that uh, uh, that you're writing for and waiting to get the feedback from them that's the exciting bit terrifying as well yeah I was gonna say yeah, yeah there's nothing Absolutely. you can do about it if everybody hates it but um yeah you hope that's not gonna happen I imagine absolutely not. And, you know, the big question is, what comes next for you? This book will be out in the world. So what do you follow that with? Um, I'm writing another one at the moment. Wow. I mean, the industry, from the time that you finish writing a book to the time it actually arrives in, you know, readers' hands, it's quite a big gap. So you normally have, have got something. I mean, I'm not, you know, put one right type the end and then start chapter one on the next one I mean I have heard of people who do that and that's wow. great you get you give yourself a little break <laughs> I, yeah a little break <laughs> a little to, to think of idea I'm also not an author that has sort of a, a, a huge stockpile of ideas so it, it takes me a while to come up with a book and the characters that I'm going to live with because they're in your head for a long time it takes me about a year to to write a book See, that's really interesting. And the one thing I love about this podcast is talking to authors about their different experiences and their different work processes, because some people do have a notebook full of ideas and then they'll just go to and pick something out. Or some people will have ideas that just come to them in a second and they're like, right, that's what I'm going to do. Do you have a process you work through to find that idea? No, I mean, apart from making my whole family miserable by saying, what am I going to write about next? <laughs> Which they all say is I'm absolutely impossible to live with and um, until I've settled on a plot. Um, once you've found it and you, you've sort of honed the idea of it, because I'm not a, not a plotter, so there isn't a vast chapter by chapter, you know. And that's interesting when you've got twists and turns, because that's an interesting thing. Yeah, I mean, I... I will always know when I'm writing a book where um, where it's going to start and where it's going to end. And then I'll probably have some key scenes in the middle that I think, oh, that would be good to happen and that would be good. But there's an awful lot of in-between stuff that I don't know. Um, and I oh. like 
driving in the dark with your headlights off. That's the best way to describe it. Um, dangerous. Terrifying, <laughs> da- dangerous, terrifying, but in a little way, it's exhilarating as well. Exciting. Oh, uh, so you're I, discovering it in kind of real time. Yeah, sometimes. that I always write in sequence as well. I don't write a chat. I don't write out of sequence because I want to experience it as the reader does. So and I guess in, you notice if something doesn't make sense then. If you're writing something and yeah. you think, hang on, that can't yeah. happen. Exactly. Yeah. It, it makes more sense to actually discover the story as a reader would do. Um, so normally as much planning as I would have is um, the day before. You know, I might think, OK, well, maybe tomorrow I'll write about that bit. And, you know, I, I know vaguely where I'm going. Yeah. I'm not totally lost. But I'm Do you have your character's of- kind of backgrounds? Do you build your character or again, are you discovering I, things about them as you write? I Things occur to me. They kind of sort of vague shadows in your in the back of your head so you kind of know them but you I don't have a a detailed biography of each person I don't know where they went to school unless it actually popped up in the in the story as being relevant but I kind of know uh, I know them I know what I know whether they're funny or whether they're you know kind of a morose kind of person and they live with us I mean they live with my husband and I for like a whole year (laughs) it's like having lodgers I've described that before um so when they when they leave you when you finally finish the book it's actually quite sad because I'm I'm apart from one time when I've actually revisited characters for a novella I don't ever see them again this is it you know when you type the end it's goodbye uh, and you miss them because you've spent the last year thinking about them, dreaming about them sometimes, talking about them. You know, my husband and I will have dinner and we're, we're sitting there having discussions about people who don't exist and, and taking completely different viewpoints. You know, he'll say, well, I don't think that guy would say that. And I'm thinking, what do you know? I'm writing him. But he's right. You know, he, I love he how lives- invested he is. I love oh, he, that. Yeah. yeah, I don't think it's out of choice. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind I like to read to him each day what I've written that day um and I find that's very helpful reading out loud rather than just reading it off the screen or off off the piece of paper if you actually are saying the dialogue it sounds true and you can hear when dialogue's not working as well when you read it out loud yeah so the poor man comes in from work and I just say oh do you want to hear what I've written you know and it's like well can I have a wee first you know (laughs) (laughs) oh well if you really have to very well I will just wait to monologue in a moment (laughs) I love that has there ever been a plot line that you've read to your husband that he's gone absolutely not there have been discussions where he said I haven't liked it and I I you know we come very close to arguments at that point and then I think about it and possibly pretty much every time actually I will go back and think actually you're probably right that scene did ramble on or that really wasn't quite right um so yes he doesn't read any well, he reads very very little yeah um, my husband is um, the same actually but that's that's interesting but he has good instincts and um and I used to be lucky enough to get my daughter to read because she's in publishing so that was great oh, she handy. would actually read the books for me but now she's too busy so I'm, I'm very, you know if they well, don't read it as a, you know a publisher can you just read it as my daughter you know your mum's written a book can you not read it just read it so yeah that's, that's kind of sad <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, look, I think it's going to do fantastically. February is round the corner. When this comes out, I think there's going to be maybe three weeks to your book is in the world, which is incredibly exciting. And now 
I have no idea what you're going to bring to your novel evening. So I'm very excited, but I'm expecting some glitz and glamour from the ensemble and the sequins. I have high hopes. Well, yes, definitely. Beautiful. Um... <laughs> <laughs> that is what I like to hear. So the first thing we always kick off with is where are we going to go? Right. Well, I had, I mean, I, I was kind of torn because half of me likes the, the cosy pub restauranty sitting by a big, roaring fire kind of thing but then the sequence kind of won over so I I kind of I kind of want like a ball kind of place mm-hmm. like a, a fancy dance but well what I was visualizing was something sort of like New Year's Eve with a glitter ball and white damask oh, okay. table cloths and something really grand where, where you're all sitting around a, a, a very fancy table with gleaming silverware and oh it's giving me then, a bit of Gatsby it's giving me a bit of like you say yeah like the, yeah the, Confessi um, coming down and the, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I've definitely got a, a New Year's Eve. Maybe it's just the time of year, but I've got a New Year's Eve kind of vibe going on there. Awesome. So. Okay, New Year's yeah. Eve is, I feel like the best New Year's Eves are the ones you don't plan as much. Yes. yes and things sure. just happen. I think those are the ones, and it depends on your mix of guests. If, if you're bringing for this rolling in the New Year's, this fictional New Year's Eve, it depends who's coming. There might be some dramas. There's always a possibility, isn't there? Which we do love. We pretend we don't love it, but we do. Yeah, yeah. You you want that East Ender moment, don't you? I like to watch that. I like to be that person with the popcorn watching the drama. I don't want to be involved. Oh no, I don't. I don't want to be uh, involved in anything that's uh, high stake drama. Not definitely not. And the important thing: what sequins are we going for? What shade would you be busting out? Oh well, I I do like a a blue sequin. I've got a, a blue sequin dress that's my favorite and I am um, sort of like an art deco style so it's Ooh. Um, and that and I've got big glittery earrings that I um I wear with it yeah so this is gonna work with the like, theme yes I probably look like the fairy on the top of the Christmas tree but never no, mind I love it I yeah. love it I'm here for velvet and sequins and yeah the lot and, the- and a man in a on a, a dinner suit for sure yeah. yes something okay. with maybe with the open bow tie possibly oh we've got a little got a little frivolous then we've got a little yeah, we, loose. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's had a couple of champagnes and he's loosened yes, the, uh, ex- the bow tie exactly although okay. my husband will loosen a bow tie and say because it's strangling him which is not sort of <laughs> it, that, that's not the sexy vibe you want i don't think him? i've ever seen my husband in a bow tie so there'd be something ah. wrong with him just wearing that to be honest with you i think you're okay <laughs> and you bow tie. Uh, we started going on cruises a couple of years ago um and i um I finally got my husband to to buy a dinner suit. Uh, I can't say that he he's happy in a dinner suit, but gives me. A You're point. happy with him. I'm, in the dinner I'm suit. happy. I'm happy getting dressed up every night. So yes, I do think maybe you know I was uh, I should have been born in that getting dressed for dinner era. You I should have. You'd have done well in the kind of the roaring twenties. You'd yeah, have done very Downton well. Abbey, uh, that that's me. Yeah, want, you'd have done. I don't excellent. want to be downstairs in the kitchen. I want to be upstairs. Oh. Okay, so who's the first guest we're going to welcome to this New Year's Eve gala? Oh, okay, so I had a big think about this and I decided that I would um, have a diverse age group for my, okay. my dinner party guests. So the first dinner party guest I'm inviting is actually a fictional character from a book that hasn't come out yet. It's going to be oh. out in a couple of months and I'm going to check I've got her name right. So her name is Florence Butterfield. She's an 
87 year old lady and everybody's going to be get a chance to meet her in a book called The Night in Question um, by an author called Susan, Susan Fletcher. Um, and she's a fascinating character. She lives in a care home. Um, she's had a really, really rich and exciting life. Um, but now she's in her twilight years, but and she's had a, a, a medical mishap, but she is not going to let life knock her back. She's as interesting as any of your young heroines could be. And something happens in the care. I won't give it too much away because this book obviously isn't out yet. Um, something happens in the care home um, and she suspects that there's something sinister going on. So she sets out to investigate. So she's like your modern day Miss Marple. Oh, um, I love it. The kind of a cross between the, um, I suppose it's it's the cosy crime, but the mm. cosy crime for the senior generation so Richard Osman-esque kind of yeah the Agatha Raisin kind of feeling I like that and she tells great tales yeah I mean and this woman is such a a fascinating character in the book that I read I loved her in the story and you throughout the book you you learn about her backstory and and you meet the the people that she has loved and lost over the years um and I thought, what a rich person to have at your dinner table. She's going to have tales of all sorts of, you know, experiences. She's travelled the world. She's done all sorts of things. Um, and should anybody, you know, keel over and, and, you know, there's, I don't know. You never know. Bit, You've always got to be prepared for these things. She's she's going to be there solving the crime for you. So wow. I thought she'd, she'd be an interesting person to have. Um, I think that's a good first group. choice. Yeah, I, I like that. I like, so okay. I, I'm hoping everybody gets to fall in love with Florence when they get to meet her. So very exciting. Lovely. And little, we got a little sneak peek. I like this. Yeah, sneak peek <laughs> of a book that's not out yet. <laughs> okay, so Butterfield was it? Sorry, she's around. Uh, her name is Florence Butterfield, Butterfield, and she's the the night in question. It's coming out in April, I think. So not Amazing. long to wait. So Miss Butterfield's joined our table. She has. She's, she's ready to go. Who's next? Well, I thought I'd have a gentleman companion of a similar age group Ooh, for her, okay. which I thought was was only fair. And the person I've chosen is actually uh, Noah Calhoun from The Notebook. But oh, when the he's older in his Noah. Scene, the older Noah, oh. who is at the care home looking after his wife, um, Ali, with Alzheimer's. Uh, I love The Notebook. I love I love the book. I love the film. Um, I could watch it easily. I mean, I have. It's been a while since I've read the book, but I've seen the film yeah. but on like a fairly regular basis. It's almost like love, actually. You know, you think you put it you on. Watch it, yeah, yeah. You can say the lines along with the characters, um, but it, it's a wonderful, wonderful story. Um, Nicholas oh. Sparks has done such a great job with that, um, and he. I love the devotion. And I think that's what I, I, you know, the caring um, of somebody that you love. And I suppose that that's come out in in my books as well. You know, Alzheimer's has featured a couple of times. And I could see that this man loved this woman with all his heart. Um, As a as a man, as a boy, you know, his feelings haven't altered. And I I look for that in characters, in books, you know, that kind of steadfast, you know, never never bending kind of love um so I, I i just love his character in the book 
Um, and I just thought he would be nice. He'd keep Flory yeah. company. You know, if they want to do a couple of twirls around the floor, yeah. then uh, they'll, they'll keep a pace with each other. And he could use um, a party. I think he could use a good party. I think he probably could do with a night off. You know, he's, yeah. he spends a lot of time reading to his dear wife who doesn't remember yeah. who. Who the heck he is? So I think he he could do with them. Um, they could do with that night off, okay. Do with a night out and a, a few glasses of bubbly. Okay, okay. So you've got you've got your kind of little pairing going on. What's, what's I have. To come? Um, and so now I thought we'd have a few younger people, um, and I thought somebody who's going to bring some life to the party um, is Lou Clark from Ooh. Me Before You. Okay. Um, I love her character. I I love that sort of eternal optimism that that she brings um and with it it's accompanying chaos that she you know yep. when she's trying to to fix things in Will's life in the in the book Me Before You by Jojo Moyes um I was a very very late comer to reading Me Before You I think the entire world had read it before <laughs> I did um, yeah, what's the fuss about? <laughs> yeah well I, I kept thinking no, it, it's it's about, I mean, I'm not giving anything away to anybody who hasn't yet read it, um, but, it, you know, I kept thinking, I don't really want to read about a man who's a quadriplegic. I don't think I'll enjoy that book, mm. despite the fact that there were so many millions of people across the globe, you know, who totally disagreed with that, that point of view. Um, and then I don't know why, but I finally succumbed and I, I read it and I th- I've just kicked myself for having waited so long. It was a beautiful book. It was a, a such a touching story. Um uh, I loved the book so much, uh, and and the, the follow up books as well, where we we hear of, of you know what she's been doing in the years after yeah. the first book. Um, but I love that that optimism, that that sunny personality. I mean, I nearly put Rebecca Bloomwood from Shopaholic. Oh in yes, place. that's a story back. I thought she would be quite fun as well, um, but. Perhaps she's um, she'd just cause a little bit too much chaos at the table. I remember if- getting in a in a magazine once. I had a free copy of um, was it the Shopaholic Takes New York? Was that uh, one of them? And it came yeah, free with it, and it was never my sort of book. And I thought, well, I'll read it. I was quite young. I thought, well, I'll read it. And I loved like historical bleak fantasy, but I was like, I'll read it, and I loved it. It, I, I think the first one was definitely the best. I've read them all um, yeah. and I have loved them. But I think that first book, because she was such a different, refreshing character. You know, yeah. she's, you know, and it's almost like, you know, you're, it's like you're reading it with your hands over your eyes. Because oh, you can exactly. See so problematic and you just so frustrating, but lovable. Yes. I mean, you just think, oh, I just want to sit her down and give her a good talk. Also, to. she'd have to find the the outfit for the party and that would cause problems. Oh, yes. Well, I don't know. The Whereas Lou would what... just wear whatever she had in her wardrobe that she felt was fun. That would be the stripy tights, wouldn't it? Exactly. We couldn't be responsible. Becky Bloomwood would would bankrupt herself finding the old. She would. She, yeah. she would go out and blow all the money she hasn't got on something. Exactly. We can't be responsible for that. It's very no, I think I think we'll just have to leave her at home. So. <laughs> For the best. So, so we've invited her. She can have a night off from looking after Will. And um, does she have um, a companion, or does she? Are we pairing her with somebody? I have. I have brought with for her to to chat to or or to dance with. Um, Henry from the Time Traveler's Wife. Oh, okay. Um, and it's been a while since I've read that, but I loved that man. I I love. I mean, I'm a huge romantic, and any man that would travel through time again and again to be with the woman that he loved um 
just seemed to me the perfect story. I mean, I've, I like fantasy books as well. I know yeah. you said you, you're a big fantasy fan. Um, and that that book, The um, the Time Traveller's Wife, was such a, a unique take mm. on, on something that was fantastic and yet almost believable. I mean, you didn't have to... Yeah, just... it felt more like magical realism than, it did. than full fantasy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I, I really thought she did, you know, Audrey Neffinger, who name I probably just mispronounced um did such a great job on such I mean I wouldn't even know where to begin to to tackle yeah. a, a topic that complicated um and to make it you know so that your readers didn't get lost yeah um yeah. and to make him somebody that you had total sympathy with um yeah. even though you know I suppose you know there are times when what he was doing was very hard and difficult and yeah and, and it's all kind of strange really when you think about it because you know he's meeting his future wife when she's only a child and and that's a kind of a dodgy area to be getting yeah into. and even so I think she wrote it in a way that it made it made sense even though it like did. you say when you think about it you're like but when you read it it didn't feel that way no, it felt perfectly innocent and kind. And, and I love that, that fate has something waiting for you and you don't know what it is yet. I mean, I think that's a theme yeah. that I, I kind of hark on in, in some of my books as well. You know, that, and it, that, that story um, and him in particular, I thought he would, he would make a very lovely um, dinner guest. I mean, I also wanted Ryan Gosling at the table as a young Noah, but I just wanted Ryan Gosling, you know. So That is so. very fair. <laughs> <laughs> That's but a loophole I would support greatly. <laughs> so we've got four guests. Do you have any more coming? No, I thought we'd keep it intimate. So nice. I would, we'd have the four of them with Rebecca Bloomwood sort of on standby in case anybody... Just in case, just in case. Yeah, just, the, the just plan case. maybe Ryan, you know, yeah. possibly. Yes. I like that though, because I feel like this is a nice, and I think you'd get some really interesting conversation. I th I think you will. Well, you've got Henry, who's sort of been in all sorts of eras, yeah. and then you've got the others. So clearly, I'm fascinated. I'm just seeing that sort of pattern now with the past and and how yeah. it sort of ties in with the present, because that that's pretty much apart from Lou Clark, who who's obviously totally in the present, yeah, um, yeah. and a slightly kooky way, but. Um, yeah I think, I think they'd all get along quite well I think so I think this is an intriguing bunch and I always ask at this point this is quite a difficult question but is there anybody you don't want to show up well yeah this is a hard one isn't it mm. so I thought first of all um because I'd been thinking about maybe having someone from Bridget Jones uh, invited to the okay. um, to the party so I thought Daniel Cleaver because Very I could fair. remember exactly the the chaos he caused when he turned up at Bridget's party yeah and which ended up with him brawling in the street with Mark Darcy yeah so, very slimy so, as well he just gives me very slimy is, vibes it's slimy vibes he's very pretty um yes but he knows uh, it and he do, he does so he would be sort of I mean I don't hate him but he's sort of a lovable rogue um but I've also been um watching re-watching over Christmas I was re-watching Stranger Things ah. um, so we have a really bad villain in season four that yep. sort of got me thinking of oh maybe we should have somebody who I don't want to turn up at the uh, the dinner party somebody really villainous so I I'm a big Stephen King fan um, and one of I think the, the worst characters i.e the best bad guy that he's ever uh, written about was a character called Randall Flagg who was the the bad guy in the stand 
Now, The Stand is my favourite Stephen King book of all time. So have, have you read it? I've not read The Stand. I have read woefully. I'm a real wimp. There's no other way I can say this. Um, okay. I'm pathetic. I couldn't read it. You know, I'm terrified of clowns. Uh, Pet Cemetery sounded scary. I just didn't... I just read the blurb and I was like, I don't think that's me. So, but I did read The Outsider, which I really enjoyed. Um, I did try Under the Dome, but I also watched the Simpsons movie quite close to that. And they were quite <laughs> similar themes. <laughs> I was like, I prefer the Simpsons movie. But The Outsider was very scary, but I thought a, an excellent crime twisty thriller. Yeah. yeah so I'd love to hear about really... The Stand. I know nothing about this book. The Stands, um, it's an apocalyptical novel and it's actually, um, it, I think a lot of people went back and reread it during um, the pandemic because it starts with a virus that's got out of a lab um, and it Brilliant. ends up killing about 90% of the world's population. What else um, would you want to read during the pandemic? Exactly. Why don't you? Um, so I, I don't know when King wrote this one. It was maybe back in the 70s or 80s maybe 80s yeah. I think it's quite a, an old book one of his first ones but it, it remains my favorite out of all the ones of his I've read um and all the character he he hones in on a group of survivors individuals who eventually will all group together and pretty much everybody that's left in the world is being drawn to a one side of um, America it's set in, in the US and they're being drawn to an old lady called Mother Abigail and mm. and these are kind of like, the good. like <laughs> they she she's a, a sweet little old lady. Oh, okay. Um, I thought we were going for creepy old lady. Okay. No, 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 no. She's sweet little old lady who um it's kind of like all the good people get drawn to her, right. and then all the people who are maybe borderline, not quite so good, are drawn to the other person who's compelling them to to group together, which mm. is Randall Flag, which is the, the oh, character so this that is I've this is a big bad. We don't want him. Um, he's set up a base in Nevada in the book, and uh, bad things are happening. And he's he's maybe not of all of this from this world. Um, he he's called the Walking Dude or Randall Flag, and I think King's used him in in a couple of other books as well. Um, but basically, he's he's the devil. He's the Antichrist. Oh yeah, no thanks. Uh, I think so he's not really needed for New Year's. Do you do you want that guy turning up at your dinner no, party? No, probably not absolutely. the Antichrist. As a general rule, at parties, I mean, I don't know what he's like at parties. He might be very charming, but generally. Yeah, but- he, the Antichrist can be. stay away. <laughs> yeah, yes. It doesn't seem advisable, does it? No. And I think we have such a lovely group at this New Year's yes, Eve soiree. Yeah. We don't want them having to deal with the devil. No, no. We don't want any satanic rituals going on. No. So, And I love this. I think this is a real ode to some of your favourite books, which I really love. And in yes. a book that isn't even out yet, so which yes. is very exciting. I, I think I, that was where I looked for, you know, wh- which books have I loved? And, and then thought, well, if I loved them, I probably loved certain characters in them. Yeah. And, and that made it easier to choose because it, it's kind of daunting when you suddenly yeah. have to think, who am I going to uh, invite to a book? I suppose if I had longer, it would have been an even bigger guest list. But then, you know what those parties are like. You can't talk to everybody. You it's can't nice talk to everyone. You've got a night. This is a conversation night. This is about is. stories from the past and the present. And I love that. Yes, I think we'll have a good time. I agree. And look, before I let you go and enjoy the rest of your evening, I have to ask if you're reading anything at the moment. 
I have just finished a, a book that I have had on the go for several weeks, kept me company every single night. It's called The Iron Flame. It's by Rebecca Yaros and it's a fantasy. You're nodding, so. I have you... also, I, yes, I have not long finished it. I read it just before Christmas. It, yes. it is very, very good. I mean, if you like romance and if you like dragons and you like a bit of spice, it's all in there. It um, does it, it does it want it. There's a reason TikTok snapped up, snapped up these books because yeah. they are, if you like a bit of spicy fantasy. Yeah, they, they are, are very good. They are really good. And I, I devoured the first one when, mm. you know, the fourth wing. And uh, and I, I got to that quite late. So I was almost able to sort of not have too big a gap between that, that uh, book. And, see, and that's clever thing. when you do that. Yeah. Rather yes. than a big way. Because I, my friend and I, with fantasy books, I genuinely agree and believe you need some kind of synopsis of the previous books. Yes. You're missing you a lot. You know, and it's like what you missed in the last episode. We need that. Yeah. Yeah, we need that recap, don't we? <laughs> but if you've not read it that long ago, they were still all fresh in my mind. Um, Very helpful. I found the second book a bit slower, actually. It took me a little bit longer than the first book. I was like you, I kind of devoured book one. And I really took my time with book two. I felt like there was a bit more to kind of absorb. There was more. Um, and there was slightly um, a lot more um, battle scenes and, and that's that kind of thing I mean which I didn't dislike but I I kind of wanted them to get back to the, the hot romance <laughs> bit as well <laughs> but You're like, um, where's the steam in this steamy romance <laughs> yes yeah, stop fighting each other just get back to the bedroom <laughs> I will agree I think yeah. but I I'm very intrigued to see what the next book in that will uh will bring yes as I mean, you know it, it, it ended, ended on a cliffhanger no spoilers it, no no spoilers but as did book on one a, yes Exactly. She's so good at a cliffhanger. Yes, yeah, she is. She's very good. Just a year to wait. It's not a big deal. I know. And, and I've, well, it gives you another excuse to reread it just before the next one comes out. Exactly. Exactly. Look, Danny, this has been such a pleasure. Thank you so, so much for joining me. I wish you Thank all you. the best with the book. 15th of February, 2024. It'll be in the world, the memory of us. And thank you so much again. Thank you for inviting me. It's been great fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of A Novel Evening. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed making it. Please remember to go over and rate, subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcasts and check us out on Instagram at A Novel Evening Podcast and over on TikTok under the same name and we'll see you next week. Bye bye.